I know that many of you perhaps recall that this song was sung at our Christmas evening of praise and worship last December. I followed that by giving a sermonette, I guess. I want to use it in a little bit different context here tonight. John chapter 1, verse number 43. John 1 and 43. Jesus is in the process of calling disciples. Verse number 43. The day following... Jesus would go forth into Galilee and findeth Philip and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him. We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael saith unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip saith unto him, Come and see. Philip says, Can any good thing come from Nazareth? And Philip replies and simply says, Come and see. I want to preach to you for a few minutes here tonight this subject, this question. Do you have a come and see? Do you have a come and see? God, I thank you for your presence tonight. I thank you for the privilege of being in your presence. I thank you for the moving of your spirit. I thank you for the ministry of your spirit. I thank you for what's already been done here tonight. And now I pray, God, that you would speak a clear word to us tonight, not a sermon, but a word that would come from you, a message that would come from you. I pray for the anointing upon the hearer tonight, and I trust you for the anointing as the speaker tonight. I rely on you. I depend on you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We do not get a whole lot of detail with regards to what happened as a result or what took place with with regards to Jesus saying to Philip, follow me. I don't know how long it was. I don't think it clearly says the time frame in between him calling, Jesus calling Philip and Philip speaking to Nathaniel. 
You're wondering what the sound is. Antioch West is in the chapel tonight. They couldn't use their building, so hopefully you're not ADD and you can listen to me and not be distracted. Maybe I can just get in the rhythm of the bass and you'll just think it's the preaching. So I don't, I don't know. There is no, you know, if you, you, you what's, what, what, which writer says it, if all of the things that Jesus did and said, John said, if everything Jesus did and said was recorded, you couldn't contain it. So make sure you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is not everything Jesus did and said. I guess you could say it's the high point, but it's not everything. So I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know the time frame here. It, it doesn't, it just tells us the day following what he had done before he finds Philip. But what I find interesting is Philip says to Nathaniel, we have found him. Something was said, something was done, something took place that after Jesus says to Philip, follow me, that I, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I, I don't know if it was just simply a witness in his spirit, but it was enough for Philip to then say to Nathaniel, we have found him. We have found the one. The one that we've heard about. The one that's been prophesied. The one that Moses wrote about. The one the prophets talked about. That one. We have found him. And, and Nathaniel hears where he's from and Nathaniel responds and says, can there any good thing come from Nazareth? He, he had some preconceived ideas about Jesus because of where Jesus had come from. He, he had some skepticism. There was some doubt. No good thing can come from Nazareth. But I want you to notice Philip's reply to Nathaniel is three simple words. Come and see. He did not, now don't, don't get me wrong here, don't misunderstand or misapply what I'm saying. He did not schedule exploring God's word. He did not make an appointment with Nathaniel for a lecture. He didn't even say, you know what, let me get uh, into his marvelous light. It'll only take us an hour and uh, I'll show you why. I'll prove to, I will dot the I's and I will cross the T's. There was no theological discussion. There was no discourse that took place with Philip trying to prove to Nathaniel, trying to convince Nathaniel that he was the one. He just simply responded with a confidence that said, come and see. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. 
I think what Philip was saying was, if you will come and see, I won't have to try to convince you. If you will come and see, I don't need a religious argument to prove to you that this really is the one. You just come and see. And when you come and see, you'll know the same thing that I know. And so tonight we have sung my world. And I'm sure there are people in this place tonight that your world, what you're going through, you need him tonight. But part of what I've come, and if God talks to you, that's fine. But part of what I've come with a burden tonight to challenge this congregation is not the expression that my, David Stephen Wright's world needs you, but I wish somehow God would let us hear tonight the cry of individuals someplace else that are saying, my world needs you. My world needs you. I'm broken. I'm messed up. I've got addiction. I've got abuse. I've got problems. My world needs you. And my challenge to Antioch the Apostolic Church and to Antioch Central tonight is not to get into a religious debate as why Jesus Christ is the answer and the Messiah and all of that stuff that he is. But the response is, come Come and see. The Bible says, Nathaniel, verse number 47. Nathaniel obviously comes with Philip, verse 47. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. I think probably there was, there potentially could have been a little moment of, yeah, that's me. How'd you know me? Except he goes on to say, Nathaniel answered, or excuse, no, Nathaniel said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know me? How do you know me? Hmm. Uh, I know, I know there's at least one prayer. I don't know who you are, but I'm, I'm confident there's at least one tonight. There's probably a few more. In fact, I know, I do now know one because I just heard you tell the story the other day. Anybody else like Brother Johnson who came and perhaps the first service you sat in, you looked at the person that brought you and said, why did you tell that preacher all about me? Anybody besides Brother Johnson tonight? I, I see another hand over there, Brother Gross. Just, just uh, another one. Just, just, and no, you, no ladies. I saw, I think I saw a quick lady there. Okay. Yeah. Why? How? Why'd you tell him all about? How come you talk to him? And the, and the answer usually is, I never said anything. When, when, how do you know me, Jesus? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Before Philip told you about me, I saw you. I think that initial little pride in the chest kind of all of a sudden went out because he probably thought, uh-oh, if you saw me, you probably heard me. 
You heard that I questioned, can any good thing come from Nazareth? But Jesus wasn't bothered by that. He was ready because I, I think he probably also knew that Philip said, come and see. And so for Jesus, excuse the language, but it's 2017, you'll get it. For Jesus, it was game on. He had not, not that Philip was challenging him in a negative sense, but in essence, there was a challenge that was laid down. Come and see. And Jesus was prepared for the come and see. I've come to challenge Antioch Central tonight. It's time for you to get a come and see. Not a coming here. Not a coming here. Not a come and maybe. But a come and see. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the freedom of applying this tonight. How usually we kind of make it a little more plain or clear. But I'm gonna actually give you the freedom tonight. If you want this come and see for you to be to tell somebody coming to church and see, okay. But ultimately, I'm not really talking about a come and see at church. I'm talking about you hearing somebody that says, my world needs you. My world needs you. And you have your own come and see. I don't have to get you to Brother Middleton to get a come and see. I don't have to call Brother Mott and schedule an appointment for to, to get you to him for a come and see. But I've got some come and sees in my life. I've got some moments where I have encountered and I know he's the one. And I know he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come and see. Do we believe what we say we have? Uh Uh-oh. Do do we believe we have what we say we have? Do we really believe the God we believe in is really real? And that he's here, but he's also there. Wherever there is. Come and see. Barnes note says this, this was the best way to answer Nathaniel. He did not sit down to reason with him or speculate about the possibility that a good thing could come from Nazareth, but he asked him, to, but he asked him to go and examine for himself. To see the Lord Jesus, to hear him converse. To lay aside his prejudice and to judge from a fair and candid personal inquiry. Anybody came to church your first time like Nathaniel? Any good thing at an apostolic church? Any good thing at church, period. Any good thing in this religion thing? Come on, let me, let me see. Let me, let me get a couple of honest hands that you'd be willing to admit, Brother Wright. I'm talking to some apostolics that you would be willing to admit. You know what? I came with no faith and lots of skepticism. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and hopefully there was a message that pricked something in your heart. But I got a feeling that in addition to that, and perhaps even more significant than that, the old song says it this way, something got a hold of me. Oh, yes, it did. Yeah, something got a hold of me. Well, I went to a meeting one night and my heart wasn't right, but something got a hold. Something, something more correctly described as someone. There have been some things in my life that an argument changed my opinions and my feelings. A debate caused me to change my perception. But most of the time, it's not an argument and a, deba- a debate. Because some of you were way too smart when you first came. You had too much PhDs and all those other degrees and all of that. You were just too intellectual. And the preacher, the Bible says it's the foolishness of preaching. So it's not some intellectual speech that changes a heart and a life but it's when the man or woman of God begins to preach the word of God and as Paul said I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom I haven't tried to come to you with eloquent speech and preaching but in the demonstration of the power of God and for some of you that's what caused you to begin to change your mind because you didn't just begin to hear but you began to see so we should beseech sinners to lay aside their prejudice against religion and to be Christians and thus make trial for themselves if men can be persuaded to come to Jesus all their petty and foolish objections against religion will vanish they will be satisfied from their own experience that it is true and in this way only will they ever be satisfied this is a question asking night apparently Anybody came? Any of you current tongue talkers? That when you first heard about, and then when you first came and heard, that, uh, oh, something ain't right about that. That don't make no sense. That ain't, that, that just didn't right. That it wasn't a theological discourse that caused you to become a believer. It was when you were willing to take a chance, give it a try. And for at least a moment you pushed aside your intellectualism and allowed just a little bit of faith to reach out. That what you used to question or doubt or were skeptical of, you now are one. Uh I see a a hand or two. Somebody said, come and see. You know what? I I could go from 
from the Old Testament throughout the New Testament, especially in the New Testament, especially in the four Gospels. And I could tell you story after story of the miraculous power of Jesus Christ. I could tell you of blind eyes that he opened and deaf ears that he unstopped. I could tell you of dead people that he brought back to life, crippled people that he made whole, and I'm sure that would do something to inspire your faith. But I can tell you tonight of a couple of years ago when I was going through almost a year-long battle of plantar fasciitis in my left foot. And I had done therapy and I had worn a boot and I had worn a sock at night and I had done all this kind of different stuff and the next step was going to be surgery. And standing in a funeral of all places, A funeral where the man of God stood up to preach and said, God told me in honor of the man that we are commemorating, celebrating the life of today and the life of faith that he lived, that in this funeral, do you hear me? Not church service. Funeral. God wants to do miracles in a funeral. I, I've been in this all my life. I, I never heard that before. And I raised my hands. And by faith, I connected with the Word of God and received my healing. And in just a matter of days, I kept paying attention and realizing What I've been living with for a couple of years now and has climaxed is now gone. I know, I know this is where faith starts. But when you have a come and see, I'm not just telling you about the healer and what he can do. I can tell you come and see because I've experienced for myself. And what I know is he is no respecter of persons. So if he did something for me, he'll do something for you. You just got to come and see. Psalm 34 and verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Not just Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night during worship service. It's going to continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us... And let us, and let us, from the platform to the video studio, from the left side to the right side, let us exalt his name together. Because in Judah... It's no wonder the enemy wants us 
to tone down our praise and tone down our worship and and just kind of keep a cap on it because he knows where God is known and he knows there's somebody that says my world needs you but if they can ever get in Judah God is going to show up I I, I, not my mom, not my dad, not my grandparents, not my brother, not my wife, not my kids. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Oh, taste. Oh, taste. And see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Oh, taste. Apologize to the folks present in Arnold this morning. but Let me just use my simple analogy again tonight. If you like candy, if you like sour candy, if you like sweet tarts, and if you like jelly beans, you have not lived until you have had sweet tart jelly beans. I have a major problem. I have tasted. I, I got a... I didn't need them, but I got a couple handfuls this afternoon. And I was driving to church. And and the handfuls I had just weren't doing me any good. And I was just at CVS last night. Knew where they were. Knew there was a bunch. I couldn't go to CVS just to get a bag of sweet tart jelly beans. We had a bag at home. So I decided, almost out of hair cream, (laughs) Nathaniel and I use the same kind. His is out. Mine's going out faster. Keeps ending up in his bathroom and never making it back to mine. Another message, another night. So I decided, I think I need, I'm almost out, I need some, need some hair cream. Of course, to get to the hair cream, you got to walk past the aisle. They didn't have my kind of hair cream. But... It was not in vain because they had 
the jelly beans. I almost left them on the seat in the car. But I decided if one of my kids or my wife rolled home with me tonight, I didn't want the shame of that bag on the seat. So I stuck it in the console to hide it. And here I am confessing. All because of a taste. A taste. You, you, you can't. I, I, I love food. I love food. I love food. Anybody remember English's Chicken on West Street where Pier 1 is? That was a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. There was a sign used to be in there. It said, some people eat to live. Others live to eat. I, I, I really don't like you people that don't like sweets and, and, and you just you just satisfied with Jesus on your veggies. I don't like you. It's not fair. So for us, us food folks, I've had a lot of people tell me about something. Man, you got to try such and such. It's, it's so good. And they, they try to describe it. They try to, to, to put it into words. And all that can possibly do is stir up your curiosity. Because words do not compare to taste. When you taste and see. Something gets awakened. Something gets stirred inside of you. And the psalmist says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. The Living Bible says it this way. Oh, put God to the test and see how kind He is. See for yourself the way His mercies shower down on all who trust Him. Come and see. Come and see. I, I, I believe, I, I really believe, we, we've been through some grieving and mourning and we're still working through some of it, but I believe God wants to give us harvest. But I gotta tell, I've said this in a couple of different leadership settings and meetings recently. I am sick and tired of trying to manufacture something. I'm tired of trying to produce something. I'm try, tired of trying to make something happen. God is a God of principles and God is a God of natural processes, if you will. That when you follow those processes, you can expect results. I just kind of think we ought to try to get into a come and see harvest. Here's what I'm believing. I, maybe I should prophesy it, but I'm just going to tell you right now. Here's what I'm believing. I'm believing that if you and I will start to be sensitive, and I don't mean some deep spiritual sensitivity. I'm talking about these things right here. That if you will listen, naturally listen, 
I don't mean your, your, your Holy Ghost listening. I believe in the gifts. I believe in all that. But I'm not talking about that right now. I'm talking about just listen. That God is going to start creating some opportunities. Not for you and I to get in religious debate. But to simply say, come and see. The slight problem with that is you got to have some faith. It's a lot easier just to get in a debate and an argument and leave it there. Because when you say come and see, what you're doing is you're te- taking a step of faith. You're making a declaration that God is going to do something. Don't just come and hear. Don't just come and hear, but come and see. Let me say it this way in this context tonight. Come and feel. There's a bunch of folks don't want anything to do with church anymore because they're tired of dead church. I know it's not about a feeling. It's not about a feeling. But sometimes somebody needs a feeling. Somebody needs to look around and go, oh, I don't know what that is, but I never felt that before. I've been a lot of places. I've seen a lot of things, but I've never felt that before. I don't believe that a child of God walk with God should be dependent on feeling. If you are a child of God and your walk with God is dependent upon feeling, you have a very unstable walk with God. But I don't think there's anything wrong with a guest walking into a church service or walking into a care group or walking into just your house and sitting there and all of a sudden kind of looking around going, I... There's something a little, a little different. I, I, I feel something. I, I've had it happen a few times where folks have come to a church service and first time and they come up to me after church, they preach. I, I gotta tell you, I've been to church before, but I've never felt what I felt here today. Again, you gotta get beyond the feeling, but we've also got a world. That is in need of not something that will just appeal to appeal to their intellect, but something that's going to touch their heart. Somebody needs to feel something. We, I forget where I, I think it was our staff meeting the other day. We were talking about some stuff and I, I, I wrote something down in my iPad, something along these lines. We communicate more today than we've ever communicated before. Most people do. And we are connected less than we've ever been. Because we communicate, many of us, regularly. We communicate regularly, but we don't connect. I may go throughout the day... And this lovely lady and I may send some text messages to communicate back and forth. But there is nothing that replaces connection. Face-to-face 
might have to stay here for a while. Hallelujah. Sorry. Not you won't let go. Hallelujah. We have a world. Oh, Jesus. We have a world that is bombarded as well with communication, but is absolutely desperate and dying for a connection. And I've come to declare tonight that I believe we as apostolics have the ability to say, don't just come and hear, but come and see and come and feel. I'm not here to wear you out tonight, so let me see if I can wrap this up in the next hour. Mark chapter 5, verse 17, Jesus goes to the Gadarenes. He encounters a man. There's a man that they can't do anything with. They've tried to lock him down, chain him down. They can't do anything with him. He encounters Jesus, and Jesus delivers him. Jesus now gets into the boat, and he's about to depart. Verse 17, they began to pray him to depart out of their coast. This is, this is a great message or a great thought for another night, but do you hear what they're doing? He came in, delivered somebody that was tormenting them, freaked them out because he delivered the guy that was tormented and said, you got to get out of here. You'd think they'd be begging him to stay, not depart. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had possessed, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Lord, I want to go with you. You've done something for me. You've delivered me. You've done something nobody else could do for me. I want to go with you. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. Go tell them, come and see. I wonder if there's some folks here tonight that the blessings of God have been locked up in your life because you don't go tell anybody. Come and see. You just get all excited about what Jesus does for you and that's it. But could it be that Jesus wants to do a whole lot more for you? But part of his purpose in doing it is not just for you. It's so that you can go tell somebody, come and see. Look what the Lord has done. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me, 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 me. Thank God for what he did for you. Thank God for how he helped you. But let me tell you what he did for me. Go tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. I don't need you coming with me. I need you to go back to tell some others. Come and see. 
Come and see that what he did for me, he's no respecter of persons and he'll do it for you. I didn't get what I got because I earned it because I was worthy of it. I got it just because I believe. And if I believed and he did it for me, if you'll believe, he'll do it for you. We heard about the woman at the well last Sunday night, but in essence, isn't that what Jesus said to her? You drink of this water, you'll thirst again. He said, ah, come and see. Uh, let's quit talking. Let's start showing. Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. The lame man's holding out his cup saying, alms, alms. Peter and John said, we ain't got no money. But come and see what we do have. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. We are not in need of a religious revival of debate. We are not in need of a religious revival of argument as to why being apostolic is the right way. We are in need of a revival of the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Second Kings 5 and verse 1, Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable, because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, now, now I want you to notice she was, she had been taken captive. Bible says that she was a little maid. The implication there means she was, she was a young lady. She was a young girl. She had been torn from her home, taken from her surroundings. But rather than becoming bitter and angry, about her circumstances and shutting her mouth. She could have sat back and looked at leprous Naaman and enjoyed his suffering. You stole me from my home. You took me out of my normal surroundings and brought me as a captive to a foreign place. You got what you deserve. But rather than that being her attitude, she says to her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And one went in and told his Lord, saying, Thus and thus said the maid that is of the land of Israel. And the rest of the story is, he went and saw. I wonder if there's some folks tonight that you're going through some difficult situations. You're dealing with some stuff you don't deserve to be dealing with. But God has allowed those circumstances 
to get you in the right position to say to the right person, come and see. But if you get too overwhelmed by bitterness and resentment in your situation, you're going to shut your mouth and keep it to yourself. But if you'd be willing in the midst of adversity, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your tribulation, to get your eyes on somebody else and see their need and be willing to say, rather than be angry and mad at you, let me tell you, come and see. Because I know where your answer is. I know where the solution to your problem is. If your world needs him, I know where he is. 1 Kings 10 and 1, last verse. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. I I want you to notice first off in this verse, and I'm going to read a couple of other translations that say it as well and say it a little more clearly. She heard of the fame of Solomon But it wasn't the fame of Solomon about Solomon. It was the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord. The fame wasn't about Solomon. The fame was about the name of the Lord. Amplified Bible says it this way. When the queen of Sheba heard of the constant connection. I love it. The constant connection. Anybody go to work tomorrow and know you've got a constant connection? A constant connection. At any moment, at any place, At any time, we can have a come and see. Because again, the come and see tonight I'm preaching about is not necessarily come to a building, come to a Sunday morning location and see. That, that, that's a part of it. That may be a part of it. But I'm talking about a come and see where God shows up any place. She heard of the constant connection of the fame of Solomon with the name of the Lord. She came to prove him with hard questions, problems, and riddles. That's, that's what some of y'all experience when you came. Who, who told him? Who talked to that preacher about me? Living, New Living Translation says it this way. When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord. She came to test him with hard questions. When she heard of his fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she didn't hear about his fame, which was all about him. The, 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 the angel of the Lord showed up to Joshua prior to the Israelites getting ready to go into the promised land. And Joshua asks him this question. Who's side are you on? Are you on the enemy's side or are you on our side? And that's our question. God, are you for all the other 
denominations out there, or are you for the apostolics? God, you need to show up and prove the apostolics. The angel of the Lord replied to Joshua and said, he didn't say it like this because he wasn't from the south, but this would be the way to really say it. I ain't on either side. The question is, not whose side was the angel on. The question is, who's on the Lord's side? Because this is not about Antioch, the apostolic church. We were talking about a little bit the other day. You know, there have been rumors out there about Antioch and people telling stories about Antioch. Let me tell you something. The great, 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 great majority of people in Anne Arundel County have no idea we even exist. I'm just going to bust that little lie in the face right now. So we can't have revival, brother, right? We can't have harvest because everybody out there thinks we're crazy. Most of them don't even know we're here. For the 2% that know about us, there's a whole 98 that don't know anything about us. The devil magnifies in our minds a few folks that have said something about us and forget about the fact there are hundreds of thousands of people that don't know anything about us. They have no preconceived ideas because they've heard rumors and accusations. They don't know anything about the Kool-Aid. They don't know anything about the cult. They don't know anything about that. It's not a problem, folks. I'm sorry. You want to sit in your corner and believe that and not do anything, so be it. But I'm telling you, nobody, hardly anybody here remembers 1988 and Bishop's face being on the Capitol. They don't remember that. They don't know about our tan pants and blue jackets and penny loafers. They don't know about that. It's not a problem. So it's not about God validating us. This isn't about you and me. Because we come and we go. But he remains. And so it wasn't about Solomon. It was about Solomon's God. Oh, I wonder what God would be released and free to do if instead of us making about us and God proving us, if we would just step back and say, God, this is all about you. It's all about you proving you, not proving us. I wonder how much God would be willing to release and show up here and every place else in a whole new way. I, I, I don't have it to read. Let me just tell you. Some of you may not really know this passage, but then the significance of she came to prove him with hard questions. Go home and read further in this chapter. What you will find is before she came. Notice she came. She came already prepared with hard questions. But what you find out is before she ever asked the question. Solomon. Well, how'd you, when'd you tell that preacher about me? How'd he know about me? I'll tell you how he knew. Because when you were sitting in that bedroom, 
Brother, I just got to tell a little bit of his story. He, he said, he, he says, Sister Miles was teaching Sister Johnson a Bible study. And he'd sit in the back bedroom, staying away. But he said, just seemed like every few minutes he got thirsty. Had to go out and get some drink from the kitchen and would hear. And then he finally came to church. Sister Johnson didn't even know he was coming the day he was coming. What he told us that he just got up, put his suit on, said, I'm going to church. Came in, sat down, and got done and said to Sister Johnson, what you talk to that preacher about me for? You see, when he was making that trip from the bedroom to the kitchen, he saw him. I declare tonight, this isn't really no great prophecy, but I'll prophesy. I declare tonight there's some people going back and forth from the kitchen to the bedroom that God sees. But the problem is God needs a man. God don't use angels for the lost. God doesn't use angels for the lost. He needs a man. He has to give a man a dream to go talk to somebody. He had to get Peter out of his comfort zone because Cornelius was going back and forth from the kitchen to the bedroom. And God saw him. But God just needed somebody to say, come and see. Come and see. So I'm going to say it again. I believe that if you and I will begin to listen with our natural ears, that God is going to begin to create some new opportunities. It may be somebody else's conversation in the store that you're just going to have to say, listen, I really wasn't trying to eavesdrop. And I'm really not a nosy person, but I just happened to hear what you were saying. And I just want to tell you something. Come and see. Can I tell somebody tonight? This, this, we, we're probably going to go here and in, in some point in the future, if what keeps working inside of me keeps working, but for right now, I'll just throw it out there. I've already said it a time or two the last couple of weeks. Soul winning is not for a select few group of people. Evangelism and soul winning... In fact, let me just say it this way. Evangelism and soul winning is not supposed to be an organized ministry of the church. Oh, I thought I was quitting, but I, I just got to meddle a little bit. Soul winning and evangelism was never intended to be an organized ministry of the church. The reason soul winning and evangelism has become an organized ministry of the church is because individuals who have been commissioned to go don't go. And so if people aren't going, people need to be gotten. So we have to organize. Oh, hallelujah. Sorry, folks. Peter did not get up in the upper room when they first got the Holy Ghost and said, All right, fellas, this afternoon we're going to have a block party. We need y'all to get the hot dogs. We need y'all to set up the moon bounce. We need... 
I've organized them before. I'll probably organize them again. Because if somebody's not doing their job, we got to do something. But I just got to tell you, there ain't no moon bounce ever saved anybody. And I don't care how good the hot dog was grilled, grilled, it didn't get anybody to heaven. Rather than the disciples getting an outpouring of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost Sunday and now figuring out how are we going to make this thing grow, they just got drunk on the Holy Ghost. And when they got drunk on the Holy Ghost, a bunch of people started coming to see. And somebody comes and see and says, hey, what do we need to do to get that? Part of the reason that many folks are intimidated is because you just don't think you have it all down intellectually. So I've come to give you good news tonight and set you free of the burden. No pressure to explain it away. No pressure to give some intellectual religious discourse and explanation. Just simply say, come and see. Because if you'll just taste and see, There are people that now sit here tonight that you stand on a very firm foundation of your knowledge and understanding of the Word of God. You have a rock-solid doctrinal foundation. It don't matter when anybody comes and tries to twist and tell you and convince you and deceive you. You stand there and you have an absolutely rock-solid foundation. But most of you didn't start with that foundation. Most of you, what you started with was, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I, I can't even show you it in the Bible. All I know is, I did this, and here's what happened. Oh, sure. Show me where your Bible says that. Well, give me a a couple days and I'll show you. (laughs) Right now, all I can do is tell you, come and see. Come and taste. I know, I I think some of y'all probably got really excited when we were singing that song. Because you just knew I was getting ready to preach to you tonight about your world. their world needs you. No, the reason some of your world so desperately need him is he's trying to get you out of your world. He's trying to get you to realize, you know what, I, I got it bad, but at least in the midst of my badness, I, I, I got somebody to trust in. Come on, let's be honest. I'm not always totally sure he's there. Sometimes I think he's forsaken and abandoned me, but that's just some momentary things because when that passes, I get back to believing in spite of what I'm going through, he will never leave me and he will never forsake me and all things work together for good and it may not happen today, it may not happen tomorrow, but at some point God's going to work it all out. So in the meantime, at least when I'm in my valley, I'm not in my valley alone.
as opposed to a world out there who is in the middle of a valley of a shadow of death and they don't have the comfort that you have of a shepherd who walks beside you. But you can say, come and see. I, I don't believe I, I guess there's reason why I don't believe it, but I don't believe I have to have done drugs and out, drank alcohol and smoked cigarettes and been addicted to all of those things to be able to preach to those that have, you can be delivered. If that's the case, obviously I need to resign. Because it's not about the person with the microphone, it's about the God. And so, I, 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 I don't need to have been through what you've been through to preach to you about a God that knows what you're going through and where you are. So that being said, I also do acknowledge, though, there is something about you being able to say to somebody, I see what you're going through. Let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you how God brought me through. And if He did it for me, just, just come and see. How about us stop getting all... You know what? Philip did not get the least bit defensive with Nathaniel. He didn't get all mad at Nathaniel. How dare you question me? How dare you question what I said? He didn't even address it. He did address it. But the way he addressed it was just three simple words. Come and see. Just come see for yourself. Just come see for yourself. I want you to stand, please. I know it's getting kind of late. I want to give an altar call. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I, how, why I want you to respond for those of you that will. Tell you what you're coming for. If you're willing tonight, to make a commitment to God. That Lord, if you provide the opportunities that I hear, and again, I'm not, I, those of you that are confident and comfortable operating the gifts of the Spirit, you keep using them. I'm, 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 I'm not being facetious. I'm not talking about that tonight. But you're willing to say, Lord, if I hear if I'm in a situation and somebody's expressing a need, somebody's talking about sickness in their body, somebody's talking about addiction, somebody's talking about a broken heart, somebody's talking about fear, somebody's talking about torment, somebody's talking about a family, a marriage, a relationship that's falling apart. If you provide the opportunity, then I'm committing to you that I will respond, not with a religious dissertation, 
but just to simply say, hey, come and see. Again, that come and see may be at that moment right there where you say, come and see, and God shows up right there. But even if that come and see is, hey, come with me Sunday morning, I don't care. But if God will provide the opportunity, you will commit. I've already said it. If that means you've got to politely step into a conversation that wasn't about you and say, listen, I'm, I'm really sorry. I wasn't trying to be nosy, but I just happened to hear. If you'd be willing to commit to God tonight, Lord, if you will provide the opportunity, I will respond. I want you to step out of your seat tonight and make your way down to this. I want you to stand when you come. I don't want you kneeling. Because we're going to do this. I'm not stepping down there because I got the mic and I'm leading it. But in my mind, in my spirit, I'm down here with you. God, you provide the opportunity. And I'll respond. I know that takes some faith. It takes a little bit of a gamble. To be honest with you, sometimes it's a little bit easier to just debate. Brother Bishop, it's a little bit easier just to talk doctrine and leave it there. Because you got to take a little step of faith to say, He'll do something. He'll show up. He'll respond. And so what we're saying tonight is... We believe that He will show up. That He will respond. That He will do something. That if we put Him to the test, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but if we put Him to the test, He's going to respond for the sake of those that really are hungry and searching. They're just a little bit too afraid to buy in. They need to see something. Come down here now if you would. Would you just lift your hands and in your own words, would you express to him what I've said? Jesus, you put me at the right place at the right time. You positioned me at the right place in the right time. When I hear somebody when I hear somebody questioning, can any good thing come from Nazareth? When I hear somebody in need, when I hear somebody that's crying out and whether they say it exactly this way or not, but what they are saying is, my world needs you. My world needs you. When I hear that cry, when I hear that call of desperation, I will respond with faith that says, Come and see. Come and see. Believing God that if they'll come and see, you will respond. Jesus, I commit to you tonight. You order my steps. You position me. You guide me. 
you get me at the right place at the right time. And like Philip, I'll say, come and see. Come. Come and see. Not going to argue, not going to debate, but just simply come. Come and see. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, oh, you have called me, I will answer, lead me, Lord, I will go. and commitment tonight not just as a song of worship not just to sing for the sake of singing but for the sake of dedicating and committing hallelujah lead me
right side behind you if God answered our prayer tonight and for every one of us we just found one Nathaniel just one Nathaniel look at the harvest that would be. Not if you go out, Kevin, and find 30 people. Not if you go, Sister Fowler, and get 50 people. Whoa. If every one of us just let God cause our paths to cross with a Nathaniel, Look, look what would happen. Look what would happen. You know what? He wants that more than you and I want that. Because that's what he died for. If there's any prayer request that he wants to answer, it's that request. Would you just start the another moment if you don't if you don't feel like praying or if you don't have anything crossing your mind to say would you just sing this course another time or two again just as a dedication and a commitment God I'll go I'm gonna listen I'm I'm physically naturally gonna listen God I'll use spiritual discernment but I'm also just gonna listen trust that if I'll listen you're going to help me find a Nathaniel somebody that wants to believe somebody that's looking somebody that's hungry and then I can just simply say come come and see come and see